Hey guys, Manny Alvarez, your host, Coach Chris Hume, our co-host of the Student Section Report podcast. Guys, we are no longer SoCalStudentSections.com. We are now the StudentSectionReport.com. Coach, we are no longer just covering SoCal. We have expanded. Now, Manny, I know I'm so excited. We're covering Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, and Arizona, and looking to grow nationally. We have new handles, too, so follow us there on Twitter and Instagram. It's at S-T-U-D-E-N-T-S-E-C-T-R-E-P. So student sec rep for our student section report. You can Google search us, find us on Facebook under that name. I'm really excited, Manny. How about you? Super excited. In fact, we're going to stop talking now. We're going to start listening to the podcast right now. Good morning, or for one of our guests, good afternoon. This is episode 28, the Student Sexual Report podcast. I am Manny Alvarez, your host. Coach Chris Hume is back after a week off. Coach, how's your vacation? Hey, what's up? Uh, yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah, it was good. And more Mo did a fine job filling in. I thought about replacing you with him, but uh, but we didn't. Dang. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Ouch. But uh, while you're uh, – in Nevada, we have an announcer here from Nevada, as well as an announcer from Chicago. We will have Damon Calhoun of the Daily Breeze. He covers all the South Bay areas. We'll talk about the situation with COVID and basically as we wait for the decision from CIF as to when we will start the high school sports season. But that's in the second segment. Right now, we will start with our fifth episode of the Public Addresser Summer Series. Last week, we had Corey Kwok a.k.a. Swaggy C, and Daniel Tom. Uh, I met Daniel Tom through a uh, social media page on Facebook. And I say, you know what, let's go national. Uh, one of them's very busy. He's uh, got a phone call. <laughs> but uh, we decided to go national. And uh, who better than and then get an announcer from the Nevada area now that we're covering student sessions in Nevada from the Dayton Dust Devils, Will Bumgarner. Will, thanks for being on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And then uh, – you know, we're going to try to go through national student sections, and uh, why not just start uh, slowly kicking our way in and get one of the annu longtime announcers from the Chicago area. He's covered high school, college, and the pros. Mark Farina. Mark, thanks for being on. Well, it's a pleasure to be on, Manny and, uh, and Chris. And uh, it's uh, uh, going through this bizarre uh, period that we've gone through the last few months and, and potentially could be facing in the future. It's, uh, it's been a real change for all of us. It, it, ha it certainly has, and that's how we'll start is, uh, you know, uh, the spring events that you guys were planning to announce got, uh, got, you know, taken away. And then anything you guys did in the summer is pretty much gone as well. And then we're not sure about the fall yet. You know, um, just talk about the situation, you know, happening in Nevada and in Illinois, um, not just for you guys only, but as well as, you know, the high school sports scene and, I guess for you, Mark, the college team as well. We'll start with, with Will first in Nevada. Um, so I know right now everybody's able to be out there practicing, um, but they've put sports into different phases as well as everything else. So like the very low impact sports like golf and cross country will probably go because, you know, they're, they're, they're not around anybody, so it's not a big deal. But football's – if football goes, it's going to be very condensed, if at all. Um, and that's probably that's probably the big one. You know, unfortunately for us, we um, we folded our football program last year because we just didn't have the numbers. 
Um, we haven't won a league game in almost five years. And people kept um, – kids didn't want to play for the team. They didn't want to continually get – you know, lose games by 50, 60, 70 points. So they stopped coming out for the team. And last year we had like 14 kids that wanted to play. So we just scrapped the program. So we got a new coach and we were hoping to build it back up. And now we have COVID. So, you know, for us particularly, it's going to be, it'll be hard if we don't play again, but statewide, I don't, I don't see it happening. I think it's going to be really tough to get them going. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it might be a delay. And Mark, I mean, I don't know how the situation over, uh, how the situation is over in the Midwest, but, uh, Probably not yeah. that different. Yeah, very, very similar. Uh, uh, there, there, there have been some just in the last few days. Uh, the Illinois High School Association, the IHSA, um, started to allow for some uh, practices uh, for football, but it's it's non-contact. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> strikes me as almost non-breathing uh, practices, and and I and I, th- I I think of all the sports. Uh, football is probably going to be the toughest to bring back just because you're in such close quarters, even if they're wearing masks. And then you figure the masks are going to be a whole other issue in terms of just uh, restricting the breathing that, that athletes have to go through. Uh, in, in, you know, that, that's, a, that's a whole other issue, which I don't think has been entirely talked about on the spread of uh, potentially the spread of COVID. So I, it, it's 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 just very very uh, uh, scary times, uh, and also uh, just the unknowing of, of of what's next. You know, are they going to start practices and then stop it? You know, a week or two from now. Um, somebody made a good point. They said they're the, the, one of the meetings that the Chicago Public Schools uh, administrators are having is a Zoom meeting like this, and they said, well, that kind of tells you right there that if they're having a Zoom meeting and they're talking about uh, athletics. Is there kind of a contradiction there? <laughs> it's, you know, that, that, that raises a good question as we speak. So uh, things are very similar here in, in Illinois and, and the Chicago metro area. And, you know, I know a lot of coaches are, are very concerned about uh, what limitations there are and also what, uh, what, what things might happen in the next few weeks. You know, uh, we're talking about masks. And, uh, Chris, I believe you were the one that brought it up close to a month ago, and we talked to Chris Foray, who's, who's very familiar with, with the helmets. I don't know if that's been a – I mean, Chris, can, I'm sure you can go in detail about that, but I don't yeah. know if it's gone national about maybe adjusting uh, the, the mask. Well, you know, what's funny is, uh, I mean, let's just talk about the psychology of masks first. I mean, there's, there's these companies that are actually physically producing something that would be a protector or, or, or a barrier, but – the people not willing to want to do business with the company. So, I mean, it depends what side of the fence you're on. If you're on the side that like, look, you know, we're probably going to have it for a very long time. There's no vaccine. Uh, do we want to completely stop life as it is and, and until we figure it out or, or do we want to try to live some type of normalcy, wear the mask? Uh, I mean, it, it's very tough. I, I mean, I know some football coaches here in California that, they're like, oh, man, I don't want my football players back at all. And I'm like, what? Like, that's crazy. And then, you know, I hear some, they're having practices right now on the low low. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, they're like, oh, mass hogwash. You know, if one of our players gets sick, then they won't be invited to practice till they get better. And I don't know. I mean, 
again, how do you guys feel about that before we even get into, you know, what shoot and, you know, like all the other um, uh, pro uh, producers of football equipment are doing? You know, I think the biggest question is, is going to be how much is it safety? How much of it is, is the herd mentality in terms of becoming immune to this, uh, to this virus? Uh, I mean, that's been the, the, those have been these debates and arguments ad nauseum uh, since it first uh, entered this country and, and at first was being dismissed as the flu and not, you know, not something as pandemic as it has become. So I think part of the problem is that there's still a lot of unknowns out there. Uh, for all that we've learned, uh, the medical professions, the epidemiologists, uh, um, there's still there's still a lot of unknown out there. And and as as let's also take a lead from 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 the pro athletes, looking at athletes who have already bowed out of baseball and and uh, uh, basketball. Just saw something flash over the uh, over my cell phone that. Russell Westbrook um, of the NBA, uh, the Houston Rockets, he's been testing positive for a uh, pandemic. And I, I'm key, I want to see what some of the big name athletes uh, in pro sports are going to do and how that will have a ripple effect on the college and, and, and high school levels. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I know we're talking about the athletics, but it's got into CBU and um, Cal Baptist. It's uh, they're going full, full steam ahead. Like, this Friday, I have an in-person meeting for orientation. School starts in three weeks. Uh, masks, you have to wear masks. But uh, they're social distance, spread apart. Uh, you know, they, they are going to go with in-person classes. Some other major universities are and aren't. They're going to follow the same model. It's just, it's very hard that at the high school level, um, you know, the, the vote or the school districts have, have, have or the uh, superintendent has left it to the school districts to be able to choose what's best. But yet each school district seems to be uh, really having a hard time saying, no, like, this is the way that we're going to go. No, I, we, we have no idea which way we're going to go. We're going to leave it up to the parents and uh, give them a three model, you know, a three model version to choose from. And then once that happens, then we'll decide, but that pushes timetables back and, I don't know. It's just very hard. It's very uh, ambiguous right now. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, from a, from an announcer standpoint, I think it's going to be very strange to to be announcing in in venues potentially with few, if any, fans. I mean, uh, I mean, now that does happen once in a while in the Chicago Public League and some other schools where they don't have a tremendous amount of fan support. So it won't be totally different in that respect, but it will be strange if we're doing it basically in, on, in empty fields with no parents, no students, no band, no any, that's, that's going to be a very strange um, situation if, if in fact that's, that happens. Yeah, uh, it definitely is. For us too, we're a student section website and we're figuring out what we're going to do with, with student sections when yeah. they're not going to be allowed in the stands. But, uh, you know, we just had to, we had to bring up the whole students um, COVID uh, situation, obviously. Uh, but, uh, you know, going into public addressing after uh, announcers, you know, obviously someone had to recognize you or discover you guys. How did the journey start for both of you guys? Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with you uh, as, as far as the, the journey uh, starting for you. So I was a sophomore in high school at uh, Valhalla in East County, San Diego. And I actually 
I wanted to play baseball because I played as a youth, but I wasn't really any good. And the coach said, well, here, I need someone to do my book. I'm like, okay, great. And he had some upperclassmen, about four of them, you know, rotating the mic during games. And I actually got sick of being up in the booth with them because they were doing things that were less than ideal. We'll just leave it at that. Um, one day I was waiting for things to open up and the coach says, hey, do you want to try announcing? And I'm like, well, what about the other guys? He's like, don't worry about them. They're not coming back. Do you want to try this? I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. And so I, I sat up there and I got the mic and everybody's like, wow, you've never done this before. I'm like, no, it's like, oh, you're, you're really good at it. I'm like, okay. So I kept doing it. And, you know, you listen to bits and pieces from everybody else and try to form your own fit. And I formed my fit and people are like, yeah, you could go pro this. And this was when I was 14. Um, so that was my sophomore year, my senior year, it branched off to basketball. Um, then I moved up to Northern Nevada and, um, I announced for the uh, women's indoor track team at the University of Nevada. Um, I picked up the marching band after I did my time at the school. Um, and then I told the AD at Dayton High School, hey, I announce. And they're like, oh, great. We're looking for someone to do basketball. So I picked up basketball um, and did that for them. Um, I got involved with the high school association. Um, that was just sending them a letter and then the AD vouching for me. Um, I, I've been doing that, working with them for almost 20 years now. Um, and then they asked me to do football. I'm like, I've never done football. I don't, I, I don't know about this. And, you know, but I've, done, I've been doing it since. And I mean, like the one thing I found that's hard about football is if you don't have a spotter, you're almost, you know, stuck. You know, you know I can get the offensive guy, but the tackler for me is just not <laughs> – not easy without someone sitting up there with me. Um, I did, then I ventured into professional. I did the Reno Aces for two years, which is the AAA ball club for the Diamondbacks. Um, and that ended poorly, but back with Dayton, you know, they, they enjoy having me out there. I'll be out there as long as they'll have me. Very, uh, yeah, you started four. I started at 17. I thought I was young, but uh, to be a 14, very impressive. Uh, Mark, yeah, we're talking about your, your accolades and uh, quite the resume, but uh, how did that whole thing start? Well, I was 15 uh, in high school, uh, Steinmetz uh, High School, Chicago Public School on the north side of, uh, of the city and um, northwest side of the city. And uh, I, the, the year before, I had been doing the chain crew for football, uh, doing, the, doing, the, doing the down marker box and uh, – but, but I'd always wanted to be a sports announcer. That was one of the dreams that I had. I always tell the story. I wanted to be a, a sports announcer, the next announcer for the Cubs or the, or the Bears or the Blackhawks. Um, or, or because I grew up in a political family, uh, I also thought I had the dreams of becoming governor of Illinois. Now, thankfully, that didn't happen because I would probably be in prison jumpsuit somewhere uh, in, in a federal or, or local prison based on our the history of our governors of Illinois. Um, but uh, I, uh, I started uh, my, my, my sophomore year, I got to do the, the homecoming football game in front of, you know, 3,000 people. We used to have a parade of floats that came from the, we, we all played in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a, a stadium that multiple schools shared for football. Uh, and so I, I, I got to do the game. The irony is that in, in all four years of high school, I never got to see that actual parade until it pulled into 
uh, into the, the track area of, of the stadium. But uh, so I did that. It was basically my audition. And then my junior and senior years, I was the PA announcer for the varsity boys basketball games and, and also all the home football games. And word started getting around. I got, I got some interesting gigs. My senior year, I got to announce the, the Chicago Public League uh, baseball championship game at the old Comiskey Park. Uh, and then I was asked uh, by the Catholic League commissioner to do the public versus Catholic uh, all-star football game that summer. So uh, a lot of things were already happening and I was still 17 years old. And then I went away to school at Illinois State University and I was on the student radio station as a DJ and a sports announcer doing all the different types of, of games, uh, baseball, well, primarily baseball, basketball, football. And, but I've always dabbled, uh, even when I was working in sports radio in Chicago and doing sports writing, I also always kept doing football for, uh, for Steinmetz over the years. And, um, and then about 10 years ago, after I had left working full-time in government public relations, I did that for about 18 years, all these doors seemed to swing open, and I went from doing you know, five to 10 football games, you know, fill in for the other announcer at Hanson Stadium. Um, to the last couple of years, I've done about 200 events up until this year, of course. Wow. <laughs> multiple teams, multiple conferences, yeah. multiple sports. Very impressive resume there. Uh, you know, I wanted to get to you, like, the routine, basically, where you come, before you come into game time, you know, what – you know, if you come in an hour, hour maybe a little over an hour before game time, and, and you know, get your rosters ready, get the get the names right, talk to the coaches and all that, get, talk to the boosters to see if there's any uh, raffles or anything, they, any events you want to that they want you to share. What's the routine for you guys before game time? Go ahead, Will. Um, so I'm usually um, going on to Max Preps to download the roster, especially for football or baseball. Um, you know, I'll talk to the coaches or someone ahead of time, you know, ahead of time. Um, you know, and I, and I know most of the coach, most every coach for all the teams in our league. So it's really easy for me to go up to talk to them, um, and get the right pronunciations for these guys. Uh, make sure that, Hey, you know, especially for football, cause a lot of times their jerseys change and they don't change them in max preps. So if I've forgotten to go out or they forget to tell me someone and either the name's wrong or that number doesn't correspond, it makes it sound really bad. Um, so I try to get all that taken care of. Um, um, and then um, if I haven't gotten anything from the school as to far as what's being announced, um, you know, I just tell them that, you know, everything has to go through the administration. So I don't, I don't make a blind announcement without our administration knowing what's going on because I don't want to say something that the administration said it's come back and already told them no, or it's something that counters what we're doing with the school. Um, and most groups are okay are good with that. You know, so usually it's just, you know, limited to like the booster club or the concession stand. Um, Cause we're really a small school. So we really don't have a whole lot going on outside of that. Um, and then the game happens and we just, you know, go, go through that. You know, as far as preparation, Max Preps has been a, has been a godsend. Um, just the internet in general has been a godsend uh, because years ago you 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 had to call the coach ahead of time yep. uh, and get some sort of you know mimeographed. If you people you guys even know what mimeographed machines were, but 
copy of, uh, of a roster. Uh, I will tell you that the biggest challenge that I think any announcer has on, on, the, on the high school level in particular is just the roster nightmares that we go through, particularly with football, uh, to a certain degree with basketball and baseball. But football is the real challenge. I mean, I could write a book about the roster challenges and nightmares that I have faced. I mean, I've even done a couple of games where I never got a roster. Yep. And did, did a game for, for a roster for one of the teams. I mean, literally did the whole game, uh, you know, saying ball carried by number 15. And, and when, and I, what are you going to say? I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, I've had a rosters that have been handed to me at halftime of football games. Uh, that's, but these are, that's rare. That's, you know, maybe two or three or four instances over the years, but it, it does happen. I've had rosters. I've had rosters that defy logic of, of how they were written up because they're not in numerical order, nor are they even in alphabetical order or uh, it's, or last name, first name. Uh, I, I could, I could, like I said, I could write a book about uh, the roster nightmares I've had. And, and some of it defies logic that these are actually educated uh, teachers in some cases. It, it's, it's, it's really pre gets pretty wild after a while. That's one of the great challenges is how you get them. And I'm a perfectionist when it comes to typing up my rosters and having them ready uh, to go. So I, I, I get to be a bit of a pest at times because I do multiple teams and multiple sports. Well, that's, that's okay. I mean, I, I would say like you're, you're like, you know, once in a lifetime experience of not having a roster is like half my season when I was announcing. So. Uh, I, I mean, like, I, I feel your pain a little bit, you know what I mean? So, uh, and uh, yeah, you I mean, that's the best you can do in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it, too, is that it, it, it's a bit of a treasure hunt sometimes for, to find the rosters. And when you're able to find it through various sources online or, or an email to a coach, an athletic director, or, or a follow-up phone call, it's very gratifying when you do get it after you've, after you've done all that hunting and searching and calling so uh, there, there's there's a little bit of a little bit of a cat and mouse game involved there as well yeah I've, i'm i'm with you guys i've i've had that before you know uh santa Ana valley uh, type games where you have to sh i show up a little earlier because i know i'm going to be writing a lot of names down on on hand but uh yeah. you know uh i know i mean every now and then you know now that i you know i cover games for the paper i'll uh, i'll hear a play-by-play -play announcer which kind of just grinds my gears you know there's a rule that nfhs uh, has made about that and yeah. uh it just depends on the referee if he's gonna be strict about that or not but i've shared this in previous episodes where i've had a referee just say you're not allowed to announce period and i'm not a play-by-play -play guy but i was like well then what am i why am i what am i doing here then um yeah. you know i and it's unfortunate. Have you heard other announcers and, you know, maybe it's our ego, but uh, do you break them down and think, well, I'm not, I don't sound like that guy. Or you hear a play by play. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's killing it for us. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm, I call it the Hollywood movie syndrome of these guys who've watched too many Hollywood movies where they, the sports sequence has a combination public address play by play element, which is obviously not proper. Uh, I, I've heard announcers who are so much the homer that you almost don't realize there's another team on the field. I've run into that situation. I think, you know, listen, a guy score, uh, the opponent's uh, 
returns an interception 95 yards, I'm not going to sound like I'm reading a stock quote. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to have some enthusiasm for that kid. I'm not going to go over the top because they're the visiting team, but, but Hey, a 95 year old, uh, 95 year old, a 95 yard return is a great play and should be acknowledged with some enthusiasm. Uh, and, and, and you, 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 I like to try to play it down the middle where I, I'm not being so uh, Homer, if you will. There's time, there are times when that's appropriate, and, but I think there's a lot of times when, it's, when you, you just have to do it straight down the middle. No, I agree. Yeah. No, there's a, especially if you're, uh, I think maybe in, in, in y'all situation where you had to get rid of the football program, uh, you know, like the way it works is when you don't have the stars or the abilities on your team, but the team that's coming in is just walloping you. You know, I mean, what are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Like that's your job is to is to make sure that you announce the game. I mean, you don't want to like pile it on, but you want to make it like uh, I mean, like like you said, wow, you know, number fifty seven with a amazing dive over the middle for a ninety six yard interception return for a touchdown you know i mean like you want to make it sound interesting but you don't want to like yeah it's it's tough it's so tough in those situations yeah it's been very tough in football the last five well now six years even though we didn't play last year um to keep that enthusiasm level up for the people that did show up for for our side um most knowing that we may hang for them for a quarter quarter and a half but after that it's just going to go way downhill um, especially knowing that these kids, well, most, most kids in the league, but especially our kids are playing two ways and there's not enough subs on the bench to even give them a breather where these other teams, their players are playing two ways, but they at least have, you know, a second string that can come in. Um, yeah. Keep the enthusiasm level up on our side. It's like, Oh, sweet. You know, you, you kind of pump that, um, that first down, you pump that interception or, the one year where we didn't score any points until the final drive of the season. Um, that was, I, you know, I, I went over and above on that one only because that was a huge, <laughs> huge thing for the team to actually get on the scoreboard. But yeah, definitely. You have, you have to try to keep some enthusiasm going because you're part of that game in that respect. I'd like to tell a story. Yeah. I did a game um, uh, a number of years ago, and it was the last week of the season. Uh, and, of course, you know, you've got the 40-point uh, mercy rule in the second half when the team's got that big lead. Uh, but th there was this game. It was, a, it was a miserable day, driving rainstorm the entire game, the entire day for that matter, windswept rainstorm. And this one team was losing uh, – what is obviously going to be a, a, a running clock game in the second half. But all of a sudden, right before the end of the first half, minute, minute and a half left, you see a white towel get thrown out into the field. And we're trying to figure out what the heck is, is going on. And the officials start conversing with the coach. And it turns out that the players decided on the team that was losing badly, they said, that's it. We're not even going to come out for the second half. They literally threw the white towel like in a boxing match. Or, or uh, wrestling. Wow, is that the rules? I mean, like that's. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. They said the heck with it. I mean, they, they they were winless as well that season. So it was like you know we don't even come out with the weather being what it is. We're getting blown out. Forget it. That's the end of it. 
that, that, that's one of the stranger football games that I've announced. Wow, man, that's – yeah, I mean, per CF rules, yeah, if you do something like that, then, like, uh, you know, your AD has to write a letter to the principal, has to sign it and send it to CIF, and there's all this, like, uh, like litigation and paperwork that goes along with it. That's a big deal out here. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, I think the rules were somewhat relaxed, at least within the Chicago Public League, uh, that, that particular – again, I think the circumstances drove – the decision, but we've, we've had games that have been forfeited where a team didn't show up. Uh, that again, it's not common, but it, it has happened particularly later in the season. Uh, and, and there were repercussions because the coaches, the, nobody was informed. Uh, so that's, that's a whole nother issue that you'll run into, especially as, as we've had such a big influx of, of charter high schools uh, and what that has done uh, has siphoned uh, athletes and students from other Chicago public schools uh, and consequently affected their, their athletic program, particularly sports like football, where there, there are larger numbers. Um, so we've seen, we've seen some interesting challenges just because of that. Uh, and as an announcer, you know, you, it takes me about 45 minutes to go from my home to the, the football stadium that I, I do most of my games at. Uh, so you're talking between a commute and everything. You, you shot three, or more hours out of your, your schedule for, for not, for no apparent reason. Yeah, no, I'd agree on that one. That, I mean, out here in Southern California, people are traveling, you know, in no traffic, 20, 30 minute drive max, you know, but uh, some people, they have a commute. So, you know, with the traffic, with the preparation, because you can't forget about the time getting ready for the position, you know, and then uh, you get there and it's a no-go and it could have been prevented. That's the worst. Hey, well, I had a question. Well, if you run into a situation where the, the playing field was unplayable and they had to uh, call the game, uh, you know, after the first quarter or even before the game, it was just unplayable because obviously because of rain and whatever other, uh, you know, extreme conditions. So, I personally haven't. I mean, they changed our field to turf, so we don't have those situations. Our rival school during baseball season, um, I don't remember the, the full details of what was going on with the baseball field, but they went out there and they sprayed it with some chemical that turned the grass brown. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, we can't play on this because the field is horrible. So not only did they cancel the games at that time, they moved them like a week later to our facility. I, the reason I brought that up, I had a game uh, where we had monsoon-like rain uh, the whole day, maybe even the day before. And, it, and this is, an, again, an artificial field, you know, the field turf material. But the water had gotten under the actual turf somehow, and it was, the turf was literally bubbling up in spots. It was it was bizarre. I mean, I, I've I've never seen anything before or since quite like that. And they they had to cancel because this is a multi-game stadium. I might do starting on a Thursday afternoon through Saturday. I could I could do as many as seven football games, right. and, and that particular Saturday had, had that game and another one scheduled after. And uh, the, the field was literally, you could see pockets of a bubble or, you know, water that had, that had bubbled up uh, on the field. So that was 
I, that's why I brought that up. Uh, that was a strange experience. But yeah, again, we don't we don't get those too many off too many times. I was gonna say that sounds something like out of uh, unnecessary roughness, you know, the right? old, uh, old movie, <laughs> where just everything good and can happen. Man, that 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 sounds like one of them situations. You know, well, um, a couple of weeks ago we had an announcer, Mark Clinton, who's he's announced at El Dorado High School in Marietta Mesa. He also announced single A ball for um. I think it was a Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Quakes, okay. And uh, he said it's completely different as far as announcing. You know, uh, the high school AD said, you know, keep it professional. But in single A, it's like, dude, go, go as wild as you can. This is the same thing. I know minor leagues, you know, you have to entertain the fans more so than, you know, anywhere else. So, I mean, my high school pretty much lets me do what I want within – you know, within reason, of course, you know, they don't, I don't, I don't go hog wild anyway, but they've, they kind of give me free reign because they know I'm going to be professional about it. I'm not going to, you know, put, you know, make it sound like I'm, you know, disparaging the other team or anything. Um, at the pro level, or especially in the minor leagues, um, the first, when I first got the job, they said, Hey, the only thing we would say is like during your audition, you kind of sounded like you were a basketball announcer and we need that to tone down a little bit. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then they're like, you know, as things start heating up for us and we start getting on a rally, you may want to amp the amp your volume up a little bit more, but they didn't really give me any, any guidelines as far as, you know, bring on the crowd. And that's probably because we had a second on field MC slash announcer that did all of the, mm. the games and the pump the crowd up and all that stuff. So I didn't have to really worry about that. I just had to do, baseball and this other guy did all the pump up when i when i've done baseball high school baseball um one of the things you know we'll throw in some sound effect things periodically like a foul ball i'll do like shattered glass like it you know broke a window somewhere um uh, when when the opposing coach goes out uh, to talk to the pitcher you know, we might play the uh, the jeopardy theme music right uh, you know, th things like that. Uh, uh, I'd I like to play a, a, a version of, on the organ of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" that I've got on my iPad uh, to just to, to give people that kind of ball, old ballpark feeling. And I started doing something very silly. Uh, I don't always get the names of the umpires just because of the, the way the the ballpark is set up. The press box isn't right immediately right by by the. So I started doing something silly where I would say that. Our, our umpires uh, were certified by the Illinois High School Association, but they will remain anonymous because they are also FBI agents who are undercover, um, infiltrating, ironically, uh, a for foreign spy ring of, um, of spies disguised as baseball umpires. And I get a laugh from the crowd, you know, that even the umpires seem to get a kick out of that, just being silly because I didn't have their names and I would just go into this little crazy little, little bit. So, you know, just sometimes a little bit – baseball, you can do that. You can't really do that with football and basketball. But I think baseball, you can have a little bit more fun, a little more um, – without being um, insulting or, or, or anything to the opposing team. You know, we got uh, two more questions before we uh, go with our food question and call it a day. Uh, as far as student sections, I, I know social media has been big here in Southern California – as far as student sections marketing themselves, but uh, we're unaware of the student section game in Nevada or in Chicago. Have we seen a student section out there like, man, these guys have some school spirit? 
yeah, I've seen some really, really good student sections. One, one school in particular, well, I'll give you three schools in particular on the north side that I deal with on a regular basis who I think have got, you know, great student sections. Uh, Taft High School, uh, that I did their games for many, many years. Uh, uh, Walter Payton Prep, as well as great football uh, legacy there. Uh, Lincoln Park High School has, has been very good. And then the school that actually sits right next to the stadium, um, which has been up until recent years, had been a football powerhouse, historically athletic powerhouse. Lane Tech has always had very good student sections. And each one of them also has, typically has a band as well, pep band for the games. Uh, and then there are some schools where, you know, you barely know that, the, the, that anybody's cheering. They don't even have cheerleaders on the field. Uh, so uh, are on the sidelines. So, uh, yeah, we get some good ones. Uh, and, and then there are some that are just, you know, barely alive, it seems like. That comes, that comes from the principal. That comes from the athletic director. They're the ones, and, and to a certain degree, the coaches. They're the ones that, are really, that really set the tone, I think, as far as the school's athletic programs and, and the level of, of spirit coming from the students. Yeah, I'd with you on that. I think it starts there. And then uh, I think ASB has a, a big – a big to do you're either an ASB lover or not an ASB lover and that's how your student section leaders come out of it because you know you either got funding or you don't got funding and you raise up and you try to motivate all the students on campus so I'd agree with you I mean depending on how the school does athletically it's going to be a you know a spark or a charge to the way people feel about that school exactly and and, and that that can change I mean you can you can go from um you know, nothing to all of a sudden a whole change in, in attitude. A great example of that is in terms of the success of uh, one of the high schools in Chicago, Phillips High School, which was never known for football. Uh, their, bas their biggest reputation was basketball, but that was even years ago. But they brought in a, a new athletic director, a new head football coach, and went from uh, at best an afterthought football program to now a multi-state championship school that is you know, admired throughout the state of Illinois and other parts of the Midwest. So things can change in that respect as well. Well, uh, we're covering student sections in Nevada this year. It's going to be a challenge for us. But uh, is there some student sections in your area that, uh, that have, that have uh, shown some school spirit? So I know in the past, um, like, the large schools up in Reno um, have been really good. Um, especially like, um, uh, Bishop Minogue has had a really good one. Um, you know, Reno high school has been, it has been phenomenal. Um, there's some schools in, in Las Vegas that are really good ones. And then of course, as you drop down in classifications, I think they almost get better because, you know, now the school's smaller, the kids are closer together, they're tighter with each other. Um, going is the thing to do. And if they make it to like the state finals, well, the entire town shuts down, obviously, because it's a rural school. So they all go to either Reno or Vegas. And that's that student section is just phenomenal. Um, you know, of course, yeah, the same thing. There's some bad ones as well. Um, we used to have a really good one. And now ours is mediocre at best. You know, I, I think a lot of that also stems from you know, how's the team doing? Well, if the team's not, if a team isn't doing very well, or if the entire program's kind of on a downward spin, they want to do something else with their time than hang out at the football game or the basketball game or whatever. So the, the section kind of dies and you still have the diehard kids that are always out there and always trying to pump everything up. But 
it's a lot harder when there's only 10 of you versus when it's one to 200. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like an old man type thing, but, but I remember when, when I was in high school, you know, homecoming was such an incredible spectacle. I mean, like I said, we had a parade of, of, of floats that the students had put together with, with a specific theme that year, uh, marching groups from all sorts of clubs and organizations, um, uh, the, the marching band. It was, it was a big, like I said, we had a parade which covered about a mile and a half that they went from the school to the, the stadium where they played the football games. And you'd get a crowd that would fill up the entire, that's a, that's a big football stadium, and there would be about a good 3,000 people. It was just such a big deal. But now, the, the, the last oh, 10 or more years, for many of these schools, uh, the one, they don't do the, 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 the parade or floats anymore because of, I think, liability issues. But also, you know, it's like it's an afterthought. It's, it's not a big deal like it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But, but there are schools that still do it that are still very – it's just that's a problem I see in the Chicago public schools and probably some other um, school districts around the country. You know, I'm um, going to wrap up one more question here. You know, over the years when you announce players, you know, and you – you kind of like find it, I guess, as a trip. You know, later on, you see they're 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 in the professional leagues, making their millions. And there's, I mean, there's a number of athletes for me. I mean, Freddie Freeman. Like I said, I worked with Big Baller Brandon in JBA league, so the Ball Brothers and all these tournaments. I have a list of of athletes, but um, and then players I've played with who I've also announced at the same time: Benny Pisano, Grant Green, Christian Cologne. Um. Is there a couple athletes on top of your head you're thinking, I remember when that kid was just a scrawny high school kid, and now he's just this ripped up all-star making millions? Well, I've been real blessed to, to do the Chicago Public uh, League uh, Boys Basketball Championship games the last uh, about 10 years. So we typically have produced uh, quite a few players that have gone on to play uh, NBA basketball uh, and, 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 but it's, it's great to see some guy that might not have been a top pick, uh, uh, necessarily a blue chipper, let's say, who, who still wound up playing the NBA. I'll, I'll give you an example of a kid that I saw in high school uh, and did some games with, was, uh, who I thought was going to be phenomenal. And he wound up having a, a really nice NBA career, very successful college. And that was Kendall Gill, uh, who, of course, played in Illinois, played in the NBA. Uh, I thought this kid was the, the best Best, the closest looking ball player to Michael Jordan in terms of, in terms of his athleticism and style. Uh, but then you also get guys like Julio Okafor, who's in the NBA, uh, who played, of course, at Whitney Young High School. Uh, a whole slew of guys that have been blue chip and going on. Uh, Jalen Brunson out of Lincolnshire High School in Chicago, who played at Villanova, played on a couple of national championship teams. Those are guys that came, come to mind of, that, you, that you saw as high school players and realized we're going to be stars in college and, and potentially the pros. Well, uh, you got to throw in there. I know you got of the minor leagues, so that kind of helps. But, I mean, as yeah, far as high school. Yeah, outside of the minors, because, you know, you're, always, you're either seeing guys that are about to go up. Like, I got to see Jock Peterson when he was still going through the system. Um, but you also get the guys that are coming down on their rehab assignments. So you get kind of that good mix. Uh, high school, uh, let's start when I was actually in high school back at Valhalla. And, you know, my bas the basketball program used to host this tournament. And one year, Torrey Pines came out. And, well, at the time, I don't know if he still lives there, but uh, Bill Walton was living in Torrey Pines. Luke was at Torrey Pines playing for the, 
for the team when we held the tournament. And now, of course, he, you know, he had his pro career. And now he's coaching for the Kings. So um, then in, in Nevada, usually during the state tournaments, when I see for basketball is when I see, we see the talent and the number of guys that go through Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas that then turn around and, and go college or, or pro is, has just become phenomenal. It's like, okay, which guy's the blue chip now? I mean, I think probably the biggest name that I can remember off the top of my head is Shabazz Muhammad, you know, who played one year college and then went to, and then went pro. I'm not sure if he's still playing pro. I don't follow NBA too closely anymore. Um, that's probably one big name there um, that I can remember off the top of my head from Nevada. Um, I know in Reno, we had a few guys um, that played for, that played high school ball and then played for a couple years in college and then went pro. Um, but nothing to the extent of like a Shabazz Muhammad. Yeah. Okay. That's a name. Uh, same with Kendall Gill. Um, finally, we always wrap it up. Uh, me and Chris are big foodie guys. Uh, and we always go over the mom and pop shops. Like if I'm covering a game for the paper or I have to go travel to check out a student section or I'm announcing a tournament, you know, I always try to find the mom and pop shops nearby, not Chick-fil-A or well, we have in and out over here, but, um, is there a local mom and pop shop you guys go to like, Oh, I'm going to this game. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the nearby uh, place that I love. You know? Well, if you're in the Chicago area, particularly on, in, in, in the West suburbs, West of downtown, there's a place called Freddy's pizza, which is phenomenal. You got the, the, the pizza there. You can get it by the slice, they, but it's a deli as well. So you can get some uh, fresh meal stuff, pastas and, Chicken Lamont, I'm, I'm being Italian. I'm going to go with a place like that. Uh, how, and it's very popular uh, in, in, in West Suburban Berwyn. Uh, and, but you have to, it's cash only. So keep that in mind. They also have Italian ice, you know, gelato, that kind of stuff as well. So I'd say Freddy's is a really good place. And then Al, uh, Alpine for great Italian submarine sandwiches. And they got a, a couple locations. One in, uh, again, mostly West Suburbs, Westchester and uh, Elmwood Park. So those are two two local places that I would have high on my list in the Chicago area. You know, I've been to Chicago a couple of times, like I said, during that JBA thing, uh, they're announced at wind trust. And I think the only places I went was winter circle and I went Giordano's and Illuminati's. I still say Giordano's is better, but there's always a debate down in Chicago. Which one's the best? Well, keep in mind one thing, most Chicago eat regular thin crust, you know, tavern style pizza. We don't always eat the, th the, the Chicago style, you know, the, the pan pizza, the, the, the stuffed pizzas. My personal preference for that would be Lou Malnati's. I think oh. their plum tomato sauce is what, what wins me over every time. I might have to kick you out of this interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Will, I mean, I'll go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. No, I'm just going to say that. Uh, so just a clarification. People have this image that all we eat is, is thick crust pizza when in reality – the thin crust uh, tavern style pizza is, is most people eat most of the time. It's kind of like people in Philadelphia. You assume they always eat cheesesteaks, but it's probably not the case. Uh, well, you know, uh, if we're, we're headed down to near Dayton, I mean, where's the local mom and pop shop? So Dayton's, I mean, to be honest, Dayton's kind of small, you know, in terms of that. And there's only like 
two fast actual fast food restaurants anyway. So uh, there there is a place right like within walking distance from the high school. It's called First and Ten. And I mean it's you know it's kind of like a sports bar, but it's not really. But you know they have they sell pizza and they have Mexican food and whatnot. And it's actually really it's really really decent. Um, it's been there for a few years. Um, they're always supporting the high school, always supporting what, what we do there with the athletic program. Um, so, you know, I push people that direction. Um, used to be this pizza joint, this other pizza joint a little farther down the road, but um, once First and Ten went in, they started really pumping the, the school. And, you know, we flipped around and, and sent people that direction. So that's where I would go. First and Ten, and then you got, the, yeah, you got the pizza place in, in Chicago. Um, Guys, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're trying to stick with just SoCal uh, PA announcers, but I only know so much. So I figured why not just go uh, with the network page and, and talk to the announcers all over the country. So this is great. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks man. Have- Chris, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. It was, it was awesome talking to you guys. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Yol from the Student Section Reports. Hey, you want to be sponsored? We have tons of space and availability for you to put your business, your group, your organization, school district uh, up here to let everyone know about you. Uh, we are looking for sponsors here on the student section report. And uh, this space that I'm speaking now could be yours. So please, if you are interested in putting out, we are looking for sponsors. Here at the student section report, we want to make sure that not only do we take care of our students and all the opportunities that we can provide for them, but you can help as well. So please sponsor the student section reports and we will see you on the sidelines. Guys, welcome back to student section report podcast, episode 28. Manny, I live your host, coach Chris Hume, our co-host. Uh, we just kind of went national there with our PA announcers, Mark Farina of the Chicago area and Will Baumgartner of, uh, pretty much the Reno Carson city area. But, uh, decided to go back down here to SoCal and, uh, talk to someone who, uh, Who's been who used to write for Orange County for quite some time, and then made the move over to South Bay uh, with the Daily Breeze. Uh, well known during football, especially wrestling as well, but he covers a bunch of other sports. But anyway, uh, Damon Calhoun of the Daily, of the Daily Breeze. Damon, thanks for being on. Hey, hey, no worries. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, first off, obviously, uh, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. Uh, COVID nineteen's a uh, you know obviously has affected us throughout the spring and now the summer and perhaps now the fall. Uh, Obviously, we're waiting on pins and needles as to what's going to happen as far as the schedule uh, from CIF. But uh, how's the COVID situation affected the sports in, in in the South Bay area? I know people were part, getting ready for the for a season, and now we're being told not to go on the field. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much you know going around all in Southern California right now. Um, football teams are getting out there, you know, getting their conditioning in and all that. Um, but I mean, this is, this is a situation we've never been in. I mean, nobody's been in really. I mean, not, not recently yet, at least, but, um, it, it's just a strange time right now. And like you said, this, it, it affected the spring, the summer, I think the fall is going to be gone and maybe we don't start till maybe the winter sometimes, but you know, even, even that's going to be, uh, I mean, we, we just will let us know next, next week, uh, their schedule. So we'll, we'll see how, how it shapes out. But I think we don't see fall sports maybe until probably January, probably. I think the whole calendar gets moved back a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to agree with it. I mean, I, just like you, I mean, you have a lot of different things going on on Twitter and, you know, you have things probably popping up on your phone from um, other coaches or schools or districts or, or, or whatnot. And you just see so much that, you know, like this is happening or this is not happening. Breaking news, you know, this pushes back. I mean, yeah, like we were talking about earlier um, with our previous guest, everything's so ambiguous. So uh, I think they tell, they do really get a big, you know, a big understanding of, of how it's spread or, or, or what we can do to uh, nip tuck it and the, you know, to, to get it from stopping and affecting us. Uh, there's going to be so much fear out there that even if you're not that person that fears uh, everybody else is scared and can't do anything about that. No. And, and I, I just got a message, a, a Twitter alert from the um, LA unified school starts August 18th, but students won't be on campus. So that's probably leading toward what we see you know, the, the fall schedule starts a couple months after school starts, probably. So, yeah, it's, it's just a weird time right now. Yeah, no, I know. I follow the school districts, too, and I got that one. And then the other ones that I got, too, is, you know, some form or model where they're uh, not even deciding yet. They're going to wait almost two weeks before they're supposedly to open schools yeah. to make a, a more informed decision. But that puts so much pressure on so many parents, teachers, administrators to, to try to jumpstart at that the last, I mean, you know, they'll probably come back and say, you know, school's getting pushed back to a later date. But I mean, uh, the district that I, my kids go to, we are starting August 14th, but they have a hybrid model. They have three options, which have yet to be determined who's going to which option. The parents can uh, uh, respond to a survey allowing either an in-person model or a virtual model or we don't want either one. I'm going to teach my kid, but I'm going to report back to you on their learnings, which is that, that one got me. So <laughs> I, I was like, wow. So uh, it's very different. It's, it's, I, I think for the health of the kids and stuff, man, in-person is the best. Uh, I'm not saying in-person right now is the best, but you know, it's just, I, I mean, so much social skills and confidence and, and life lessons that the kiddos learn at, at, at all ages. Uh, just with the social interaction is huge. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, like those some of the best days you have as a you know, as a kid are those those days where you're 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 on the playground, you know, talking to your friends and everything, and hanging out and you know having fun. And kids have missed all of that all the spring. And so it's going to be inter interesting to see how things you know what kind of ruling comes down from CIF and then how things uh, sort of, you know, shape out here. Um, curious question, is Narbon in your coverage area? Yeah. That was my, that was going to be my interesting, like, what's going to happen with Narbon now? Because they had pretty much a death penalty happen to them this past season. And uh, I was wondering what's going to happen with them. But now, like, there's so many question marks. So was there question marks you guys were expecting this upcoming season that just got halted? Like, I was, like, you're waiting to see what's going to happen with certain teams? Well, they, they finally hired a coach um, yeah. last week, Michael Manuel. Um, and one of my questions to him was, you know, when do you find out – how soon are you going to find out what do you have back? Because we know a lot of kids – a lot of kids took off um, last spring once the season once, – once they were, you know, banned from the playoffs, once, the, once that semester ended, a lot of kids took off. I mean, they spread all over the place. So, I mean, the two-year ban is still – in, in play, but I heard they might be able to get around it by doing some kind of um, 
workshop stuff, but that's not really confirmed. That's just rumors that I've heard. So we'll see how that shapes out, and then we'll see how, how that team is going forward because, I mean, before I got there, they had a long run, and then they, they, they continued the run while I was there, won state title, and then it all came crashing down last season. So um, that's one program I'll be looking at once, you know, once, once guys are able to get out on the field and, and get going. I'll, I'll certainly be out there checking those guys out. Definitely, hopefully, hopefully, put not like Hawk. I mean, was it uh, Hawkins? I think it was. They had that you know two three year run and then just fell apart real quick. Yeah, yeah, that was um, what about what do you think about five not seventy years ago probably? Yeah, they had Stephen Johnson there. Yeah, um, yeah, and now the coaches at Inglewood. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, the student session game, I discovered it through the through OC varsity I think like Steve Pryor would send something and then I'd see like your take Carlos's take Dan I think Devin Uglin had a take as well Brian White had had another one and uh you know I worked with Carlos at OC sidelines and then he kind of said you know maybe you should do a student session thing and then I kind of ran with it how did that whole student session thing start uh, at the register man <laughs> I don't even know I mean OC varsity that was that was those were some good years, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I don't – I think it was just one of those things where we were just trying to find content. And we were – I mean, we were covering every sport back in the day. I mean, everybody had their sport fall, winter, and spring. Um, and then, you know, we would always be there early, you know, see the student section and everything. And then it just – it just blossomed, took off. I mean, as you know, a lot of those kids are I – mean, a lot of those kids wanted wanted to, wanted to get their picture in the paper. Always was interacting on Twitter and everything. And uh, yeah, that was over some fun times. I had, I had some pretty fun experiences going down south for basketball. Sit, sitting 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 in the wrong area, and all of a sudden the, the student section just take over that area. Then then all of a sudden you're stuck, you're stuck in a corner trying to get out when the game is over. It's like, nah, you can't move right now. But uh, yeah, it's man, those those some fun times. Fun student sections down there. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna add on. I'm partial to Orange County because I'm from Orange County, but uh, yeah, OC Varsity's coverage just—I mean, back in the day, I mean, even it's just slays everybody else's. You know what I mean? Like you guys had so much talent uh, covering the the sports, and like you said, every sport was covered. I think that's where like the coaches and parents and even the athletes appreciated that so much, and. Uh, yeah, other newspapers got jealous, I think. You know what I mean? That's probably why they, you know, started that huge hiring, you know, getting the different people to cover the different spots uh, in their region. Yeah, I remember, I mean, when I first got there, like in, I think it was 01 or 02 or whatever, it was a bit intimidating because you go there on a Friday night and you see a room full of people and we're covering like, like 40, 40 football games, whatever. Um and yeah, it was just so much fun being around everybody, uh, having a chance to, you know, because every sport takes you to a different part of Orange County. I mean, I did volleyball there, I did wrestling. Um, everybody, everybody did football. So it, each part of the year, you were either you know down south a lot, you were up north a lot. So it was it was fun just to get around and see, see all of Orange County for me, especially because I, I had never never been to Orange County until I went to college at Fullerton, but. Um, yeah, those those were fun years. I, I I sort of missed those years. Yeah, I remember 
certain writers were affiliated with the sport. Like Carlos, obviously, it's always been softball, and Dan Abano was aquatics. You were, for some reason, was always wrestling. Did I just fall in your lap, or was it something that, you know, your editor at the time, you know, said, you're doing this, and it just became your thing? Kind of like me and student sections pretty much now. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. When, they, when I was hired full-time, um, the, the job came with a, a split shift. It was an office shift from, like, nine to four. I was actually in the office every day just, you know, running, like, the office stuff, taking care of, like, newspapers, phone calls, even even doing credentials for our pro riders. And then I had the night shift. So with the day shift came volleyball in the fall, wrestling wrestling in the winter, and volleyball in the spring, because all those sports happen sort of like in the evening. Um, and I just, you know, got stuck with wrestling, and I made the trip to Bakersfield for state for like 12, 13 years in a row. Um, I sort of miss it now. I haven't been up there the last couple of years since I moved out up to the South Bay, but yeah, I mean, I, the wrestling years were fun years. Um, the trips to Bakersfield were <laughs> fun. I mean, tough at first, but sort of got fun once you knew how, how the whole state tournament worked. Um, so, yeah. I was going to say, but you, you're, you like that kind of stuff because I, I noticed on your Twitter header, you've got John Cena, you've got all these like fighters that are uh, next to your books. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I don't know if you, you realize that. I mean, obviously you did, but uh, I, I find your, your mixed match of different characters that you have on your Twitter head are awesome. Yeah, actually, one of those, one of them, one of the fighters I actually got from Carlos Arias. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a bet, and then I won, I won the, the UFC fighter there. <laughs> and then the other two guys I think I found around the house. Um, yeah, I just set it up there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I also covered boxing for a while, too. So I was around, you know, MMA and boxing. A lot of those wrestling guys sort of, you know, transitioned into into mixed martial arts as well. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it's awesome. I just followed you right now on Twitter. I, I love it. I love your collection of books, too. That's great. Yeah, a lot of the books I haven't read yet, so but uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get on them. <laughs> been doing, I've been doing a lot of reading since the quarantine and all that all stuff been going on. But, yeah. You know, and we talk about food a lot here, which we'll bring up later. But for some reason, when it came to snack bar food at games, it was either you or Carlos that people just associated it with. Yeah, it's probably both of us, man. <laughs> How did that whole thing start? <laughs> well, you know, Carlos. Carlos loves food. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all do. Um, I, I don't remember some of the better ones in the in the area in the, in Orange County anymore. I know Fred Kelly used to have pretty good – selection of food um san clemente um and la Habra had a pretty good yeah la, yeah la Habra too and then those times when you go to servite and then they oh. find out you know you tell them hey i know steve fryer <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it man you can walk in there with two plates right there i did that a couple of times is, um, so is that is that the code word steve fryer it's servite I'm, I'm gonna get me some food now <laughs> That's always a cold word for us, right? Yeah, I know Fryer. Okay, here's two plates of this. Man. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Man, yeah. I think Carlos probably started off, and then we just followed and had fun with it. And that, that's all part of the all, – all, all part of our job, is trying to have fun with, with stuff. Um, you know, you, you've got to be serious, but you've got to have fun, too. 
It seemed it, it came off of you and Carlos. So those were like the two fun guys. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, Steve was too, but I think he was more, he always, when I, when I was started to follow, he seemed like it was more serious, but then when you got to know him, he seems like a goof as well. But yeah, yeah. We had a lot. I mean, me, Carlos, um, uh, Adam Maya when he was there. Yeah. I forgot about that name. Yeah. We just had fun, man. I mean, Carlos was the one who got me involved in boxing. So I would follow him to the fights um, and, you know, get the food there too, if I could, but yeah, <laughs> just have fun with it, man. It's all. You know, um, obviously we talked about student sessions and, you know, back in the day, Mike, obviously we knew survey was, you know, they, they have, you know, that, that dynasty of a student section, but was there other student sections you looked at when they, especially at the end of the year when they always had made you kind of basically write a two sentence on what your favorite student section was? Yeah. I think every year I had survey number one because I mean, those guys, those guys came out for every sport, man. I mean, you see them at soccer game, volleyball matches and everything. Um, basketball, modern day was always good basketball. So those students, those students, those students would come out, they would come out big there. Um, and then down South, you know, Capitol Valley basketball. Oh yeah. And mission. Yeah. Those, those two were always, you know, going at student sections, always going at each other. Um, and was, I think Capitol used to have the first time I saw a Capitol while the other team's been introduced, Capitol would have the newspaper up. Like <laughs> being introduced. First time I saw it was with those guys there. Um, yeah, I, don't, I can't remember anybody else, but yeah, Mission, Capo, Servite, of course, Modern Day. Uh, yeah, those, those are some good crowds. I was at a Mission Capo Valley game at Mission, and Capo still pulled off the, you know, the newspapers. So uh, <laughs> this tradition that hasn't died yet. Yeah, there you go. Now, as far as South Bay, I mean, I only know of Bishop Montgomery, and, uh, and then I, I recently heard about Wes and Redondo Union. But, I mean, what other student sections are out there? Or are those, like, the three, four main guys? Yeah, Bishop for basketball, pretty good. Um, a couple years ago, they had a kid who always had a championship belt on around his waist. Um, he was the leader of the group there. Um, Redondo, volleyball, basketball, the kid's always out there. I mean, um, thinking around. The Torrance schools are pretty animated. Um I went to a West Torrance, West and West versus Torrance basketball game a couple years ago, and it was just a circus, man. Kids were all over the place. I, I I ended up sitting like, I don't know, on I I ended up on the floor, but I ended I started like up in the bleachers, top of the bleachers, whatever. Um, pretty good atmosphere there. Uh, those are probably the, the 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 main ones: Bishop, Redondo, Costa, Torrance schools which is Southwest, North, and Torrance itself. Yeah, I was going to say, there's like four Torrance schools. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. people realize when you say Torrance, you're like, which one? Yeah, exactly. There's four Torrance schools, and they're all, they're, they're all pretty pretty good about getting out supporting their, their fellow classmates and uh, fellow sports. So I would say, uh, what's, your, uh, what's your biggest thing right now? Uh, with I mean, I know we have COVID, but uh, how are you hanging in? Like, what are you doing to um, – keep the keep the uh uh passion alive right now with uh with sports well i'm also the uh beat writer for the i also cover the la galaxy for the new the newspaper the news group so they're back in action tonight um so i gotta watch that game off tv and want and and write up a story because they're they're in, they're in orlando florida um so it's, i mean 
other than that, it's, you know, keep an eye on, you know, any transfers I see high school wise, any coaching changes that are out there. Um, so it's sort of a, and then just wait until next week and see what happens with the CIF ruling. I was going to say, yeah, you do have an affinity for soccer, don't you? Yeah, I, I love soccer. I've, I've been around the sport for a while, covered it for, man, maybe 10 or 12 years, probably, maybe longer than that. I don't even know, longer than that. Um, and it, 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 it's also good because they were the first sport really that came back, you know, came back to start playing again. So I've been watching a lot from <laughs> since about late March, I think, all the leagues started coming back. Yeah, how do you – so my question to you is uh, how do you think they're doing it so well in comparison to uh, the other sports that are, are struggling a little bit? Well, well, the other leagues were the, – the, the first leagues that come back were the European leagues. And their government did a better job. I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but I think they did a better job than our government did. <laughs> uh, now, for the pro sports in the, in the U.S., there are so many protocols, guys, or the leagues have set up. Um, you, you see the, the, uh, the NBA team started arriving last week in Florida. Um, the soccer teams have started last week, and there's, like, testing, like, every other day. And then if, if you test positive, you got to go into quarantine. Um, they've had two teams withdrawn from the tournament because they had so many uh, positive tests. So I, I think everybody's just – just learning as they go along, um, and hopefully, hopefully, all these seasons will play out to a to a champion. But you just never know what this virus is. You know what's going to happen day to day, month to month, or anything. Yeah, I was. Uh, my uh, son used to work for the Clippers, and uh, he's a big basketball fan. I'm a big basketball fan. Mm-hmm. But uh, that walkout by Joel Embiid last week, did you see him come out in his full hazmat suit? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, you got to be kidding me right now. Yeah, I don't, I, he's probably trolling everybody usually. I mean, he's a joker, but, man, that was you – know, that, that, that sort of opened my eyes. He saw him like that. But, yeah. if, but, if, but, but if, if you look at him online, a lot of these guys in Florida, I mean, they're, a lot of them are going out fishing, and they're all, you know – Trying to make something normal, I guess. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys on a lot, a lot of videos that you post, you see on you see on Twitter. A lot of guys are going out fishing. Uh, yeah, I was uh, to- I was at the gym. I know it sounds like so like anti-COVID right now, but um, <laughs> I was at the gym working out, and they have you know the the bazillion TV screens up, and um, you know you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your time. And uh, I don't know if it was what what sports station it was, but they have the uh, the cards. You know, they're playing a uh, poker. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had all these basketball stars, you know, as guest stars on the show playing poker with some of the other celebrities. And you're just like, oh, man, like, this is kind of interesting. You know, like, that's what you're doing with your time right now. <laughs> Want to get to another touchy subject. I mean, yesterday they announced that the Redskins are changing their name, Washington. And, uh, I mean, we got a couple, you know, Native American school names. Uh, I mean, I went to Canyon. We're a Comanches. But uh, – do you have maybe like a, it might it might troll down to the high school scene where they're gonna force? I know that's been a topic for a while. Like we got to change these names, or do you think it's just more because you know some are are honoring tribes rather than just you know going Indians or Redskins? Yeah, I I, I think at a certain point it will trickle down to high school. Um, 
trying to think in the, in the area what I have in South Bay now. Um, the West Orange Warriors. Uh, that's probably okay. Probably, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think the only one I can think of is Fullerton Indians. That's the only one. Yeah. Yeah, Fulton Indians. Um, but you think that, that name's been around for, man, it's a long time. <laughs> yeah. That, that's been around probably longer than the, Red, the Redskins, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. 1800. Yeah. Sheesh. So, yeah, I mean, I think it will at some point trickle down to high school and you see some kind of some kind of changes going on there. Interesting. Yeah, something that was not in my Q&A, but when I saw them, I go, oh, maybe you should, I should bring that up. But uh, anyway, you know, uh, Wrapping up, Damien, I want to thank you for being on. But obviously, we always end the, uh, our injuries with uh, the foodie question. And who better than, than, than you since we always talk <laughs> – since you and Carl's always been associated with it. <laughs> when you covered a game in Orange County, I mean, was there a mom-and-pop shop you went to? Like if, like if, you know, I don't know if it was Brian or someone else would say, hey, you're covering this game. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to this place. Or maybe in South Bay now, uh, you know, you're going to cover somewhere in Redondo, you know, the mom-and-pop spot. Um, sad thing, sad thing is I really don't know the South Bay food spots that well right now. Don't tell anybody that, but, um, your phone is now blowing up with all South <laughs> owners. <Yeah. laughs> You've been long enough. <laughs> in, in OC, I would always go to, um, if, if I had to go to San Clemente, I was at the, uh, there's a sandwich shop in the shopping center right next to San Clemente. Um, is it Humphreys or something like that? I've, I know what shop you're talking about, but I've never, like, walked in there. Yeah, I forgot the name. I think it's, I think the last night, I think the, the sandwich shop was Humphreys, I think. I always went there if I went to San Clemente. Um, if I went to, like, Tustin or Foothill, I was at, what is it, uh, Toro Bravo? Oh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, I was always there. I mean, that, that place, burritos there were unbelievable there, man. I it's like down the street from Tustin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I missed that spot. I don't want to. I might have to go down there one day, but uh, yeah, those two are my favorite ones. Perfect. Well, I gotta go stop by. I live not too far away from Tustin, so I'll stop by there. But anyway, uh, Damon, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see some stories from you for the football season uh, very soon. I won't. I won't hold my breath on it, but hopefully <laughs> soon. Yeah, we'll see. Probably not until January though. <laughs> Who knows? <Yeah. laughs> Hey, guys, Manny Alvarez from the Student Section Report, my co-host, Coach Chris Steele. Coach, uh, I know that sponsors are probably wondering why are we trying to be a sponsor when all they do is cover SoCal. But just like Billy Mays, there's more. We're covering five states, and our podcast will be all over the country. So this is an even bigger regional thing and perhaps national for the sponsors. Quite, quite a big thing to take advantage of. Yeah, we're growing. So I know that there are several businesses, several organizations out there looking to expand their brand. So if you're looking for some exposure, sponsor Student Section Report because now we can get your message out there, your business, your organization out on the front lines for everyone to hear about. And it's not just locally here in SoCal anymore. Now, like you said, we're in the five states. So we're looking to expand. We can help you do the same thing. What do you think, Manny? Fantastic. The official student section buzz for the West Coast. And now you can possibly be the official sponsor for the West Coast. Great time to take advantage of, guys. Check us out, student section report, and be the official sponsor of the student section buzz.
Guys, welcome back. It's the third and final segment, episode 28, the Student Section Report Podcast. Manny Oliver is your host. Coach Chris here, my co-host. Coach, uh, before we talk about your vacation, you know, uh, let's recap the uh, the show. You know, we uh, got Will Bumgarner, the voice of the Dayton Dust Devils uh, of Nevada, which is perfect. We, we're going to cover Nevada student sections. And then we decided to go a little more further down the mid, the Midwest which you've never done before uh, with Mark Farina, who has been an announcer in the Chicago area for, for decades. But yeah, they kind of gave us uh, some, some interesting info, uh, a little different vibe from, from California. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was, I was thinking this Frank Sinatra song, you know, Chicago is, you know, <laughs> when we had Mark on, man, I was just like, Oh yeah. Bring Chicago into the mix. Let's go. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, both of them just amazing stories on how they got started. Uh, it's, I think it's fascinating, you know, we, our student section, you know, uh, podcast, but uh, I mean, I'm hoping we, you know, get more and more listeners just uh, that are invited into to hearing. It's kind of cool uh, with the youth that we do have as far as our viewership and, our, our, and all of our listeners, you're getting a, a piece in, a, in a, a little bit of a tale of the people that are starting at like 14, 15 years old, you know, so that's where you're at right now, you know, I mean, shoot, you know, just imagine with a little hard work, effort, and time, patience, you know, um, you got a lot of different opportunities coming your way if you, if you, if you're really trying to make something of yourself. And I, I mean, to me, that totally wasn't even the message in, in today's podcast, but that's the message I kind of want to convey to uh, those listening that, you know, like uh, these people that we have on the shows, it's not like they were overnight sensations, you know, they, they worked really hard at their craft, you know, and, uh, that's what you got to do too, is just work really hard and, and, and keep persevering. And uh, maybe that's a little bit of a message of today's COVID life. You know, you, you've got a little of obstacles in your way and you just got to push through. Yeah. You know, what was interesting is that they, I think it was mainly from Mark. I know that we'll, you know, we'll talk about the challenges of the football team and we've seen that before, but with, you know, teams not showing up or saying, you know what, we're getting killed. Here's the white flag. We give up. I've never seen that in SoCal. Oh yeah, there's CF rules against it. That's why. Uh, I mean, there's. That's why I brought it up. I mean, to but to the extent though, CIF uh, because they want the fair play. Even if the school is going to get crushed, um, they were trying to uh, make it where you know not one school is. There's so much money involved. I mean, just transportation in the budget, um, just uh, liability too. Like if you let's say you go to a school, you're the away team and the uh, the home team that you're going to really stinks or or whatever the deal is and they don't call to cancel the liability that the school has to have or the district has to have in transporting those students uh, across district lines. I mean, a lot of people don't think about this stuff, but administrators do. And so that's why they're ultimately the people responsible. CIF will make sure that uh, the principal uh, actually has to write a letter saying, stating why and reasons. And there could be ramifications, whether it's suspensions or whether it's uh, you know, no play or, or whatever the deal is, which I, again, I don't know how the rest of the nation does it. I know some, uh, some other, you know, Texas, uh, school districts have, have similar type of rules that CIF does, but, uh, yeah, but that, I think that's what makes us in Southern California so beautiful, uh, uh, and across the state of California is we have those, uh, put into play, uh, that try to, you know, at least even the opportunities, uh, for our kiddos to get a chance to um, to play in in sports and, and obviously students go cheer them on. Absolutely, uh, just funny that yeah, that's you know it's not all the same in, in different uh, states and associations. But uh, speaking of someone that's jumped from one to another, you know David Calhoun, who 
wrote out for the uh, for the for OC Varsity, the Orange County Register, for over ten years, and then made the, the jump over the the Daily Daily Breeze. I think around the time when they were you know cutting the staff short. Um, but yeah, he talked about memory lane. You know, back in the day, I remember seeing seeing the the Twitter wars with him and Carlos, and you know talking about all the other guys in the student section game that they started that that I discovered, and now here we are talking about it. But um, yeah, he talked about the student session game, COVID, and uh, basically uh, what what we should expect uh, this upcoming 2021 uh, <laughs> school year. Yeah, I mean, you try to be positive as possible, but I, it's so sad. I mean, people want hope. They, they want good news. They want to go back to, and here's, I'm going to say the word, I'm going to say the word, everybody, normalcy. You know, like, um, but the who, it's funny, we're on the, we are on the uh, show right now, and, you know, we all get updates, but uh, the who said there will never be a return to normalcy. And I'm just saying, like, who are you to, like, say that? You know, like, get it? Who Who are you to say that? Thank you, know? you very much. They're, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, I think, man, I, I think people just got to keep a, keep a positive uh, look and, and, and just persevere through and – there is the ups and the downs, and man, there's going to be some horrible days. But I think we can all get through it together. We just got to, we just got to try. Um, but that I think that is the biggest fear is people uh, don't want to do it uh, in whatever higher up position because of fear of kids getting sick or or teachers getting sick or administrators getting sick, and that causes a real big you know issue. Uh, I mean, obviously, if there is no you know uh potential for people being hurt uh, i mean i everything would already be started you know what i mean so um and i think that's why we have d total division people like no let's take those risks and then there's people saying no it's the risk not worth it so uh until that goes away we're not seeing sports i mean i i it just from what's been going on uh, we're not seeing sports for a while yeah you know and it, it seems like it's not dying down it's it's just getting worse and um People keep saying wear a mask. I mean, it's just simple. You know, hopefully we, hopefully maybe that that might help it out. But who knows? Um, I, can I, can I say one thing about masks though. Masks only work if you cover your mouth and your nose, people. Yes. Right? Like, look, look. If you're going out in public, and I'm not mask shaming right now, I'm just telling you straight up truth. It matters zero for these people that are out in public that have their masks over their mouth but not their nose. Uh, you gotta, you gotta put it over your nose. Look like a ninja or something. You know what I mean? Like that's the way the mask is designed. That's why they have a little like thing in the middle of the thing to go over your nose. Don't, don't be a ding dong, all right, or a wahoo, or 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 a wacko, and like think you're protecting people uh, by wearing it just over your mouth. Come on, please. Like if we've got to deal with this, wear the mask right. That's all I got to say. I'm not saying whether I'm a mask wearer or not a mask wearer or whatever the deal is, but if you're going to wear the mask, wear it correctly. Yeah. Um, totally agree with you on that. Uh, you know, we were thinking about maybe doing virtual student sections of the week if we were going to start on time in the fall or maybe later in the fall, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So we might be sticking with the actual student sections in January. And maybe we might still have to do virtual in January. Who knows? we got plenty of time with that. But luckily for us, we're also covering other states that are doing a lot better than California. And so maybe we might just focus our, put our focus on that. But that was something that was brought up by uh, the fill and co-host, Mo Orr. And um, he filled in because you went on a little vacation. Uh, how was that? 
Yeah, so all you COVID, COVID people, don't judge me, all right? So um, we uh, – every year uh, – and, and let me rephrase. Uh, for about 20 years in my family, we did not go anywhere. We were butt poor. Uh, I mean, we didn't go out to eat. Like, yeah, I can't even tell you. So – but as time goes on, it's that whole perseverance and you work hard, you know, you start to improve in your job or, or get a different job or, or whatever the deal is. I'm older. It's not like, you know, I'm younger – uh, so we have the ability to put away a little bit of money every single year to do like a three, four, five day trip. Uh, or, uh, and it used to be like, we would do it every other year. Now it's getting to the point where, uh, we can take my son and my daughters, uh, out for a couple days away from home. And that's really kind of the plan. It doesn't matter where we go, but, um, we had a trip that we'd been saving up for like, seriously, five years to Hawaii. And so COVID crushed our Hawaii dreams. And so uh, we had the money. It all got refunded. And uh, basically, we took the money and we put it into our backyard and basically uh, got a whole brand new backyard with like a water fountain and like new grass. And so now during the COVID times, we can go back there and chill and, and be in our own little oasis. What was left over, though, was enough to take us to Zion National Park. So... We went, we drove up, uh, I'm heavy on the, I'm heavy on the pedal, uh, you know, of course, uh, making sure that I uh, obey all speed limits, uh, uh, since we're on air, but uh, I was there in six hours with the family, we stayed two nights at Zion, uh, the night that we got there, woke up the next morning, we went to Zion National Park, it was amazing, so beautiful, if anybody's been to the Grand Canyon, just imagine being inside the canyon, but it's not, it's not the same parks, but that's the only way that I can equate it because my 80 year old mother-in-law went with us and that's all that she could describe it as. So I think that's the best description to, to say to people. Uh, and then we stayed that got down with the park, went back, showered, went to the pool. And then uh, we got up the next morning left. So it was like really super quick. And then uh, on our way home, we had already planned it. We stayed in Vegas and uh, that's before the governor in Vegas uh, shut it down the next day after we left. But um we went to a place called Tahiti Village, which has a lazy river and this huge, amazing, like, uh, Tahitian um, passion oasis of a pool. It's, it's awesome. Like, I can't even describe it. And, of course, everything's cheap because of COVID. So, I mean, there's deals out there for people. What, what you would normally spend maybe in a night with, like, a hundred and something dollars going to the movies with your four kids imagine putting yourself in Vegas at a Tahiti village doing that. You know what I mean? Like, which would you rather do? Go see a movie at, at, at you know, the theaters or go to Tahiti village. So uh, I think the choice is really super easy. So, and then we just came home. It was awesome. It was a great, you know, three days away, four days away. And um, we had a, we had a blast. It's, my kids loved it. Glad they enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You posted fun of your pictures. I thought you got, you were out for more than three or four days, but uh, it, well, see, the thing of it is, is I don't post while I'm gone. So, um, because I don't want to advertise for all the burglars to, to come to my house. You know what I mean? So, uh, all you social media people, that's uh, social media like 102. Don't ever post uh, when you're actually away. So, uh, those type of pictures. So, uh, just a little lesson I learned a long time ago in uh, social media class. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, you kind of spread it out because I'm not going to dump, you know, you know, 10 pictures on somebody at one time, maybe, you know, five and then five, just um, again, social media. So yeah, when you, when I saw World of Coke, am I, is, is he in Atlanta, Georgia right now? What's going on? Um, oh, no, I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm 
from Atlanta, so I love Coca-Cola and Chick-fil-A. But, uh, yeah, I got to share that experience with my kiddos. And uh, they the last time that they were there, they were, like, you know, two and three. So yeah. now them, you know, 12 and 10, uh, you know, is quite a experience for them to, to go inside that shop and be on the strip and all that kind of stuff. So it's great. Well, yeah, glad you have fun. Glad you're back. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, guys, that's our show. Uh, next week we have, I think his name is Justin Simpson. He is an announcer from South Carolina. So we're, uh, we're going further and further away. Um, and then we're going to have another announcer as well. We will uh, announce that next Sunday when we do our little uh, preview. And then we may have a third one, uh, Jamal Street. He's an announcer. He also writes for, uh, I bel- I'm not sure what the paper's called. It's in the St. Pedro area. We might have him on. Maybe, maybe we might have someone else on. We only got two more episodes, and we're going to take a small break uh, as we figure out what, what our next uh, plan is. Because the next plan was supposed to be take two weeks off, get ready for the student section season. But um, that's not going to happen. Uh, but we do have, uh, some guests on ready to go. Uh, but like I said, someone from South Carolina, so we're getting further and further into the East coast. Uh, but yeah, guys, um, go ahead and, and follow us on Instagram student sec rep. That's S T U D E N T S E C T R E P on Twitter. Same thing. Capital S T U D E N T capital S E C T capital R E P. Follow me on Twitter. That's capital M, capital A, and then L V A R E Z zero two. Instagram, many A O two M A N N Y A two. Um, hopefully, you wrote that down real quick. But anyway, uh, Coach, if they want to see all the photos from your vacation, where do they follow you? Yeah, uh, Facebook or Twitter. And that's at Coach Hulme, C O A C H H U L M E. And on Instagram, coach.hulme, C-O-A-C-H dot H-U-L-M-E. Yeah, I'm starting to post again. Like I said, uh, I was studying for, you know, like a three-month period, so it was really light. Uh, but uh, as you can tell, the onslaught of tweets and, and posts have started again, so I'm really excited to be back online. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if you – I know you get messages, but this is hot off the press, tweeted uh, right now, L.A. Unified School District – as of this moment, we'll start New Year as scheduled on August 18th, but students will, in all caps, N-O-T, not return to campus. Online distance will continue. So uh, maybe that's something for the next show, and then we can continue to talk about in the next couple of weeks. But, whoo, man, San Diego Unified came in right after them. We'll start school this fall, online learning only. Holy macaroni, people. I mean, it's... Very interesting. I think uh, the interaction is something the kids will miss. I mean, how often do kids get upset when uh, they have to return to school first day of school? I mean, they'll be more excited for that when they get to finally be interacting with, with uh, their classmates. Um, the things we, uh, we take for granted. Um, but yeah, guys, you know, stay safe. Uh, Coach, I forgot to mention, congratulations. That's right. You, uh, you're now a student at Cal Baptist. Man, dude, I it's, I feel like uh, I had a couple of people. I just looked at my phone because I, I feel bad a little bit. You know, like I wasn't answering messages. I, I answered your messages and my wife's messages over the last like couple months. And I've got like, you know, 10 or 11, 12 like voicemails that I still got to go through. And I noticed that they unfollowed me on Twitter. And I'm just thinking like, why? Like, 
why you like that? Like, don't be like that. I was studying. So, but no, yeah, it's just been studying like nonstop three months straight. I uh, had to pass those C sets, boom, knock those bad boys out. And then I had to apply to uh, colleges, got into CBU. And then uh, a lot of people think, oh, he's back for vacation. I just spent the last two days filling out all my new student uh, paperwork, applying for the FAFSA. I mean, like, so it's just everything's a whirlwind right now. And so, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that very much. So it's like a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into it. And so, you know, you get all the, the grandeur of saying that, hey, I'm doing this, but it's, it's hard work. It's not, and I learned that from already, you know, you can't just say you're going there and not do anything. You got to be able to back it up too. So uh, work hard while you're, while you're doing your thing, but I appreciate that very much. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I just want uh, things to go back to some type of normalcy. Sometimes. Yeah. And uh, does this mean we'll see another photo of you in a toga? Uh, not at CBU. Or, or the Braveheart photo. Yeah. No, I don't think CBU wants me in a toga. Uh, no, 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 not or at the all. Brave, or the, you're not going Braveheart again? Uh, not, not in a toga. Uh, whatever CBU wants me to do, I'll, I'll be more than happy to, uh, to oblige and uh, make sure that uh, I bring them the, the best possible representation to that school. So I'm really excited. You know, it's funny. I actually had a, a couple people, uh, again, on Twitter uh, that are professors at CBU that dm'd me saying oh my gosh congratulations i can't wait to have you in my class and i'm like what like i think i saw that well and i was like wow that's awesome like that's so great so uh i'm super excited that was steve morris and, and there's a couple other people too but uh yeah i'm really super excited i, I can't wait so um uh, but uh yeah for all those out there that are are getting ready i know we're still in summer but uh look whether you're at home studying and you have to do the online version or whether you are uh, going to get back to go to school in some type of hybrid model. Look, do your best. Try your best. Work hard. Have a great time. Uh, but make sure you study hard so those opportunities can come to you. That's, I'd say that, that would be my message to you guys today on a, uh, a social scale for you. So uh, if, you're, if you're having struggles, uh, you know, just hang in there. But uh, know that uh, if you don't give up, good things are going to happen to you. Great message. And that's how, that's how we'll end it right now, guys. Uh, Follow us on social media, guys. We'll have some guests on next week, and uh, hopefully soon we'll uh, we'll start talking student sections and with the student sections as well. But guys, uh, stay safe, stay cold, find a way to stay cold. Uh, I've had this video on; I've been wiping sweat off me the whole time. Um, but anyway, guys, uh, yeah, try to try to avoid staying warmer, guys. But anyway, take care. We'll see you next week. Peace.